0: Over the, the weeks, the last three weeks here at uh, the 230 service, we've been looking at a series and looking at some really hot topics, some really interesting topics. Put your hand up if you've put you've been here for the last three weeks at all. Okay, so some of you, a good half of you have been here for some of those things that we've been looking at. In the first week, we looked at the first topic, which was your first love. Your first love, the pursuit and priority of God in my life, and so the most important relationship that you and I will ever have is our relationship with who? With God. Every other relationship follows from that relationship with the Lord. And so, if we want to grow in that, we are to be those who invest in that. Amen. To grow and invest in that, we must become a better, a better relation, relational people with God. And so, the second thing was we looked at in the second week the difference between courting and dating. And then the third week, last week, we looked at romance and wisdom. How many of you are here for that one? Woohoo! Okay, Wis- wisdom and romance, balancing your, your courtship. And today we're looking at how to hear God through your emotions. How to hear God through your emotions. So, in other words, in amidst all of your feelings and your desires and in your emotions, how do we hear God accurately? How many know that's important? How many know that we're emotional beings? But in the midst of all of that, we need to be those who are able to discern the Word of God accurately. And so, of course, we are looking at this in the whole context of relationships. And so this is an important topic uh, because there are many, maybe some people today who might say this. They might say, well, well, God told me that they are the one. anybody met Anybody like that before? God told me they are the one. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen because God told me. And I'm not, of course, here this afternoon to say that, of course, God didn't tell you that. In fact, I, I had heard a story from a friend of mine who told me of someone who walked right up to a girl in a social setting, a person that he didn't know, and he said, goes right up to her and he says, I'm going to marry you. And a few months later, lo and behold, he got married to her. And, of course, I've heard some horror stories as well where guys have done the same thing and it didn't actually work out too well. Sometimes those things can happen, and in this context of relationships, we are going to explore that if God is speaking to you about someone, then there should be sufficient evidence to support it, amen? If God is speaking to you about someone in particular, each of us who are a single may have a particular idea, might have a particular picture, um, or you know, a dream of having a great relationship with a certain person. And so we're going to be looking at this, and of course, uh, marriage and engagement is, of course, a big decision. It's a big thing. When we consider life, life is full of making decisions. In fact, of course, we made a decision to get up this morning. Amen. We made a decision to brush our teeth and, of course, get our clothes on and come to church, and life is full of making decisions as to what kind of job we're going to have, what kind of house we're going to live in, where we're going to live, Uh, what kind of friends we're going to make. But one of the most important decisions that you and I will ever make is who we're going to marry. And everyone said, amen. And so if you are supposed to be with someone, then there needs to be sufficient evidence for it. And so today we're going to look at some important questions that you need to ask before you make that decision from courtship to engagement. When does courtship move into engagement? How do you know when is the right time? What boxes necessarily need to be ticked from going from courtship to engagement? So everybody with me? So we're going to look at some very practical things today. Uh, So there needs to be sufficient evidence to support that decision. Maybe you're here today and you're in a relationship now uh, for however long. But before you raise a hand and, of course, put a ring on it, I would encourage you, of course, to to look at some of the things that we're going to look at today before you raise your head and move ahead into engagement. Today, people might have all kinds of reasons uh, of why they want to get married. Someone might say, well, I want to get married. What for? Well, I need a wife. Uh, A woman might say this, I need a husband. What for? Well, I want to have children. Amen. A A few amens there what about these that I've come across in the years? I want to get married. Why? To spite or get back at my parents. (gasps) That's not too good, is it? Or because maybe of a a negative self-image. In other words, if marriage will make me feel a little bit more worthwhile. Or how about this for, for one? To be a therapist or counselor to my fiance. Get nervous for that person. Or what about this, fear of being left out or being left as a bachelor or an old maid? Or what about fear of independence? How many know some of these things are not the most healthiest reasons to get engaged? Okay, not many of you. Okay, we'll keep going. Sometimes people today might head into an engagement so quickly and then they discover things about their partner and they suddenly realize that they didn't actually know them as well as they thought they did. And so this is why courtship, this is why we're looking at this whole series, this is why courtship uh, is an important stage for couples to understand uh, one another better, to understand things about their personality, to understand things about their behavior, things perhaps they didn't know before. And so today's title is Hearing God Through Your Emotions. Hearing God Through Your Emotions. Hearing God, that's the first thing. And so the great news is that God speaks, amen? Amen. How does he speak? God primarily speaks through his word. God primarily speaks to every one of us today through his written word. So the Bible gives us plenty of, of wisdom and gives us guidance on wisdom on what God says. Wisdom on how I can know if he or she is the right person for me. We're going to look at those in a moment. And so when we think about the Bible, the Bible is the final authority. To know what is right and wrong in our lives, uh, the authority of having a a right relationship with God, uh, how to conduct our lives. It's full of practical advice. It's full of practical advice, full of wisdom, how to bring up children, how to look after the elderly, and of course, how to conduct a right relationship. In fact, God was the one, of course, instituted relationships, isn't he? And so God has a lot to say about how we maintain relationships, how we look after them. God has given us guidelines of how to live. And so we can think of the Bible as a a manual. It's like an an instruction book for our life. And so, of course, this applies to to relationships. Through it, God speaks. Jesus said this. You might remember when he said this. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. He didn't say my sheep necessarily can hear my voice or should hear my voice. He emphatically said a clear statement that his sheep do hear my voice. His voice, and so this applies to every area of our life, amen? And so, of course, that applies to relationships. In fact, when you think of this, when I think of this, I think of the radio and television that is transmitting, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so, of course, we only hear them when we turn the receiver on and then we actually tune in. And so failure to hear the signal on the radio or television doesn't necessarily mean that the station is not transmitting. God is constantly transmitting His voice to His sheep. God is constantly speaking to us. But some people maybe are not turned on or not tuned in. Sometimes Christians are so busy and so busy with their emotions that their receivers are not actually switched on. They're not tuned in to what God is saying. They're not switched on to God's guidance, God's wisdom, God's caution maybe. Maybe sometimes His warning. So the first thing we need to do what is what? Fix our receivers. Amen. We need to fix our receivers so we can start listening to the Lord. And the reason we have titled today's message, Hearing God Through Our Emotions, is because emotions alone are not necessarily trustworthy enough to build any hopes of a relationship on. We know that emotions are important, but they are not necessarily trustworthy alone to build a relationship with, in fact, you—you know—I you will know that in life it's so easy to be led by our emotions, isn't it? Sometimes people find it more difficult than others, but sometimes people, find, you know, we, we get so—we find it so easy to be led by our emotions, and so we don't necessarily consider some of the most basic things that we need to build a long-lasting relationship. So God made us emotional beings. You are an emotional being, whether you like it or not. And when it comes to emotional health, there are sometimes some extremes. The first, of course, sometimes is ignoring our emotions or our feelings. And, of course, we some, sometimes people suppress them. Of course, we know that's not a good thing to do, is it? On the other extreme, also, we can sometimes uh, make our feelings the focus of our attention, And so society today, if you like, in the world around us, seems to have done well with this motto, which is, if it feels good, just do it. Sometimes what the world teaches us. Our world seems to advocate, you know, doing whatever we feel like. And there are, of course, many examples of the kind of feel-good attitude out there. But see, the danger is this, and this is what I really want to get impressed upon your hearts and minds today, is this, that if you give your emotions away at the wrong time or to the wrong person, You might suffer wounds that God never actually wanted you to suffer in the first place. When we give our emotions away to the wrong person or at the wrong time. But if we guard our heart and we embrace His wisdom, amen? When we embrace what God says, you you are then, of course, in a position to experience His blessing in relationships. And so we really should recognize, first of all, as we're looking at this, the power of emotions. They are so powerful. The power of emotions and realize that emotions can't always be trusted. We must know that emotions aren't stable enough to build a relationship on. In other words, just because a relationship may feel good, doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually right for you. And so realize this, that whoever controls your emotions controls you. Whoever controls your emotions controls you. Our emotions can take us on a, an emotional roller coaster, can't they? Up and down all the time like a lift, all the time. Up and down. But the Bible gives us, of course, advice of how to manage our emotions. And so when it comes to engagement, there may be so many different things that, of course, we're excited about, so many driving factors But the real questions that we should be really weighing up when it comes to engagement are how ready are we to care for someone? How ready are we to sacrifice our lives for them or even love them through the good times and the bad times? And everyone said, amen. Those are the real things, of course, that we need to be wrestling with when we consider engagement. Before entering engagement, you need to honestly evaluate the, the relationship before you commit yourselves to marriage or going the journey towards marriage. And so we're going to look at some practical things, some practical questions that you should be considering before you cross over from courtship to engagement. And when we consider these, they should help you measure what are the strengths and weaknesses that are going on in the relationship that you're in right now. Um they must be, of course, kind of like a steering rod, some of the questions that we're going to look at, a steering rod to help us measure if somebody is actually really right for us. They are to, you know, assess our suitability for, uh, for uh, engagement, to our combat- uh, compat- compatibility for one another. And again, these questions, we're kind of steering away necessarily from the whole emotional side, and we're looking at some more kind of things that will make a, a relationship stable. So the first one today, is you've got, if you've got your pens and paper ready, or your iPads, whatever it is, first one today is, is your relationship centered on God? First one. First week, Christian was looking at this whole topic about the priority of our relationship with God, in the, and that, uh, in the first commandment was, was actually mentioned, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, your soul, and your strength. All four different things. That's our primary call. So what's my chief aim in life? What's my main calling is to love God with all of my heart, with all of my strength, soul, and being. And so God's desire, with the help of the Holy Spirit, is to make that first commandment first place in a believer's life. In your life today, that's what God's desire is, to make that first place, to love God with all of your heart. And so the good questions to ask ourselves are these. Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our hearts? Um, Has he taken center stage in our life? And in the midst midst of all the relationship that we might be in, is Jesus Christ the center of our life? Uh, Is he a center of our focus, of our attention, of our emotions, of our affections? All of these things. God has called me to love him with all of my soul. And so in the Bible, the picture of a solid relationship is two people having a mutual love for Jesus Christ. Amen? Two people that are joined in their, their, their passion for Jesus Christ. And so it may not be enough to say, well, my partner, you know, they're, they're a Christian. And they go, you know, they're a good Christian. They go to a good church. Actually, we might need to actually break that down a little bit and ask some more kind of basic level questions. For example, do do you or do they read the Bible? Do you both love the word? And more than that, do you obey the word in your relationship? Are you praying? Are you a spiritual person? You need to ask yourself: am I mature? To to be someone who's moving into the steps of, of engagement. Is my partner mature? Am I a spiritual person? Have I learned to walk with God? How many know these are important questions? Have I learned to walk with God? Have I allowed God to build character into my life? Can I say that I am one who is established in my faith? Do you have a relationship with God? And so even in your relationship while you are courting, do you spend time praying together? So these questions must be asked, some questions you might want to ask yourself is, is there a passion for God in your own life? Is there a passion for God in the person that you are courting? If your partner doesn't necessarily, or you don't necessarily have a passion for for God, or you don't have a desire to pray or to read the Bible, don't necessarily expect it to change when you get married or when you get engaged. Also, a question to, to, to weigh up your own eligibility, maybe, for, for engagement is, do you seek God as the one who ultimately satisfies your life? So we're talking about our relationship with God. You see, if you enter into a relationship expecting that all of your needs are actually going to be met in that relationship, it's probably going to lead to disappointment. Because every one of us, whether we like it or not, ultimately are only satisfied in Christ. Amen. That's where we get ultimately our needs met. Okay, that's number one. Everybody ready for number two? Okay, number two. Next, are you growing in your friendship with one another? In other words, is your communication, your fellowship, and romance developing? So when it comes to friendship, do you actually enjoy spending time together? Now, I know that might be a bit of a basic question, but I think it's sometimes worthwhile to ask. Do you actually enjoy spending time with each other? The emotional side of things, you know, separately and all the feelings, do you have a solid friendship to build on? What might that look like? Uh, Well, are are there certain activities and interests that you have? Are there certain things that you laugh about together? Are there certain things that you enjoy doing? Some of you might have different interests like art or sports or music or... um, or about climbing? I'm kind of running out of things to here, but there might be all kinds of different interests that you have. And so, of course, that helps with the formation of your, your friendship. You have things in common. And so this really underlies the whole area of compatibility. Compatibility is not just about physical, being attracted to each other physically. It's about having those things that are, we have in common. Amen? Common interests. And so things that you, you can, of course, laugh together about. Oh, so we've looked at friendship. What about communication? When I was at uh, university in Nottingham, some uh, just a couple of years ago—not really—I um, was studying various different topics, business and communication, in fact. And um, one of the things I, I, I learned about was the whole importance of communication as it relates to hearing and, and listening. God, of course, makes it very clear to us that communication is about speaking, speaking in love, communicating in love towards one another. But also, communication is about listening. Amen? It's about hearing. And so, if you have noticed that God, of course, made us with two ears and one mouth. Sometimes, people behave like they've got two mouths and one ear. And so, God has made us with two ears and one mouth. In other words, God, in the natural, wants us to be those who are better listeners and better hearers in uh, relationships, and so communication involves listening, and so what, what does that look like? let's be practical. What does that look like in your relationship? Has it grown in your ability to, to hear and understand each other? Um, has it developed whilst you 've been together or has it kind of plummeted? Maybe you started out and it was going really well, and then all of a sudden it kind of went on a dip. There once was an interview that was done with a couple that had been married for 80 years. Can you believe that? 80 years? And uh, true story, been married 80 years, and they were asked in an interview, how did they do it? And the first thing they said was this, we talk through everything. We talk through everything. See, they understood one of the keys to, to healthy communication, that they talk through everything. So friendship, communication, what about fellowship? Fellowship is important. One of the big areas that that is important as a couple is having the ability to talk about spiritual things. Okay, yes, praying together and, of course, reading the Bible together. But are you able to talk about spiritual things? Are you able to talk about Jesus Christ? Are you able to talk about things, areas that, that God is growing you in and areas that God is challenging you in? Do you actually know the testimony of how your partner came to Christ? Now, again, I'm saying some maybe basic things, but these are important things, of course, for us to have healthy fellowship with one another. And then lastly, of course, and definitely not least, is romance. And everyone said, amen. From the time that you've been together, have you grown in your romantic desire for one another? Uh, Or has it waned? Uh, In what kind of ways has your partner been romantic? Have they sometimes, you know, gone out of their way to pull out the stops and, uh, you know, show love and show care and affection or take you out? And all those different things that, of course, help your relationship to be so much more romantic. And so, you see, in courtship, the question that you should be asking is not necessarily what kind of partner do I want, but what kind of partner do I need? It's not a bad question to ask. It's not an unhealthy thing to ask yourself, is this partner someone I need? Is this the kind of partner that I need? The next area is one that every person who is considering engagement should really be clear on, and that is the biblical role of a man and a woman. Many a person might um, have rushed into an engagement from, from courtship having no clue Maybe what the Bible says about uh, being a husband and a wife. It's maybe being built solely on emotions and, and feelings, but they don't have any idea of what a godly man or a godly woman looks like according to the Bible. In Ephesians, Paul the Apostle, he lays out these two main pillars to, to build a relationship on. Two words, love and respect. Love and respect. In other words, Paul the Apostle was saying this. Now, he wasn't married, so I guess he must have had some revelation. But, but Paul the Apostle said this, that this is a winning combination. Love and respect are a winning combination in a relationship. And so a man or woman, of course, are designed with highly specific and different psychological needs. And when reduced to the basics, I'm just going to give a generalization here. But women need, of course, to be romantic, uh, rom- need guys to be romantic, caring, and loving. Men need women to be respectful, supportive, and loyal. And every man said, Amen. And so the women said, Amen. And um, so these are the two major pillars that you build a relationship on it is love and respect. And so if you're a woman, Here in this place, and you're not necessarily married, or maybe you're in a relationship, uh, what does God say your role and responsibility is? Or what is part of your role and responsibility? Well, it's to respect partly and and submit to your husband. Well, if that's the case, then during courtship, during a relationship, uh, you should surely then be asking yourself the questions, things like this. "Is this uh, Is this man someone I could respect, love, and submit to? Do so you see how, how important courtship is? These are things that you're going to be asking. Do you already show respect to, to, um, to him as a man? Because one thing, of course, is for sure, is if you don't respect him now, submitting to him, you know, in the future is going to be quite a, quite a hard slog. And so, for guys out there, what, what, what is your role? Your role, of course, is to love your, your wives, to show special care and attention. And so are you already showing this in your relationship? In what ways are you actually doing it? Do you lead? Are you showing love, care, and attention? Moving on. What about other people who view your relationship? Now this can be quite an interesting topic. What about other people that view your relationship? Are there other people who are supporting your relationship. So you might be here and you're, 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 you're thinking about moving from courtship to engagement, but are there other people that are supporting you in your relationship? Now for those who are already married, how many of you know that it's great to have your parents backing you up? Not sure? Okay. And so it's good to have your family backing you up, but even more than that, it's great to have people, friends, and even the church, those who are in spiritual authority over you who are encouraging you. Amen? who are supporting you in your, your relationship. Bible says that wisdom has many counselors. In other words, if something has got God's blessing on it, the evidence will likely show from people who know you well. And so good counsel from people can also sometimes be helpful because they might see things in your relationship that might help to warn you. That might caution you. They might see troublesome areas, cracks in your relationship that might actually make you think twice about moving into engagement. And so that's really important to have people supporting you. So good question to ask. In your relationship, um, what counselors and supporters do you have? Uh, Do you allow people to speak into your lives and, and counsel you? What about the whole area of accountability? In your relationship, do you have accountability? Are you accountable to anybody? To help you keep, to keep you on the straight and narrow. Moving on, let's look at another area of relationships, which is do you have a track record of solving problems biblically, solving conflict biblically? Now, this probably should be a major part of your relationship with someone. A great portion of uh, scripture that we could glean from is in Galatians 5. Very helpful in a number of different things that pertain to our life, but especially relationships. Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, if you're not sure about what that's all about, I encourage you to, to have a look at it and check it out. In fact, go through the list and measure yourself according to the list, the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe not even stop there. Maybe consider yourself and then consider your partner and see how well they're doing in the fruit of the Spirit. And so these are important things for us to do. It's kind of like a checklist to measure the character of the person that you want to get engaged to. In other words, are they developing in godly character? That's what the fruit of the Spirit is about, developing in godly character. Many relationships might be in trouble because of an inability of a couple to actually just get along. And uh, one of the main problems might be selfishness or self-centeredness. And so, meaning we, we, we're so sometimes intent on, on fulfilling our own desires and needs that we actually f- forget to recognize the needs of the other. And so relationships work best, don't they, when we are considering the other person. Amen? That we're not considering just our own needs. And so questions for us to, to, to look at, are, uh, ask ourselves, do you behave like adults or children? When it comes to tensions and disagreements and conflict, Woohoo, hot topic, isn't it? How are you when you have to make decisions together? Uh, conflict, of course, can happen uh, through hurtful words, people um, holding unforgiveness and, and, and resentment. And one of the most damaging things in relationships is not sometimes necessarily the conflict it, itself, but the unwillingness to actually resolve that conflict. That's sometimes actually more dangerous than actually the conflict itself. When we let things go day by day by day, or maybe week by week, or month by month, not resolving conflict. And so there are plenty of of scriptures that encourage us to resolve conflict. But in your relationship, maybe this will be advice for a a coming relationship, but in your relationship, um, do you resolve conflict? How do you resolve conflict? There might be people sometimes that might point the finger, the finger, and force the other to submit. But the fruit of the spirit is so important because it says this: says the fruit of the spirit is love. It's gentleness, long suffering, it's peaceful, it's kind, it's got self control. And so someone who models the fruit of the Spirit is someone that God is kind of saying, that's the attractive person. That's the kind of person that I'm really after, someone who is actually modeling the fruit of the Spirit. You notice different things about fruit. First of all, fruit is visible. How many eat eating your five a day? You eat your fruit? Oh, yes. And so first of all, fruit is visible. And uh, remember this, in your relationship, that your partner is watching you. <gasps> It's watching how you behave, watching you, how you treat them, how you talk, how you behave around other people, maybe in social settings. And so fruit is visible. You're being watched. Second, fruit reflects the character of the tree on which it grows. And so in other words, whatever you're feeding from is what you're going to produce. You remember, Jesus talked about this in John 15 about the, 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 the branch and, the, and the, uh, the vine and the branches. And so, whatever you're feeding from is what you'll produce. So, good question to ask. Let me ask you, what tree are you feeding from in your relationship? Ask the question, what kind of fruit is the person I'm courting producing? What kind of godly character? What kind of Christian witness? Uh, do they have? Uh, Maybe they're moody all the time. Uh, Maybe they're not treating you right. How many know that it's not great to be around a moody person all the time? Everyone said, amen. Okay, so there are certain things that we can measure in in our lives and in our partner's lives. Are they modeling the fruit of the Spirit, or are there other things that Galatians talk about, which is the, the flesh? Galatians talks about what is contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.19, if you want a reference, Galatians 5.19-21, and it says this, that there, with the flesh, there are hostilities, strife, there is jealousy, outbursts of anger, or selfish rivalries, dissensions, factions, envying, and so, let me say this, if there's too much of that going on in your relationship, then maybe you should actually consider whether really you should be moving forward towards engagement and thinking about your relationship. Some of you might be thinking now, well, I've got problems, and so maybe we shouldn't be together. I'm not saying that this afternoon. That's not what I'm saying. All good relationships are not perfect. Everyone experiences conflict. But what is so important is how you resolve them. Amen? How you resolve them in a biblical way. And so um, both of you are committed to doing this. That's what's so important. That means you need to have the maturity to be able to actually talk about difficult stuff. Difficult things means being able to be willing to be sorry, even when it hurts. To be able to actually forgive. Be willing to forgive. There's no point continuing in a relationship if, if, or considering engagement if conflict is not resolved. And so questions, how quick is your partner to forgive? How quick are you to forgive? Um, or, or do they hold onto a grudge for a long time? And everyone said, nah. Now, are you able to resolve conflict in a day? How long is the period of time before you're able to actually resolve things between each other? I once heard uh, this. Remember that it takes two to make an argument. The one who is wrong is the one who will be doing most of the talking. Or how about this? Someone said, whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. And so what if there is repetitive conflict in a relationship? Or maybe these should actually serve to be warning signals. If you're in a relationship right now, that is a lot of conflict. And maybe this even goes further than that. I would encourage you to think twice about whether that's really a person that you want to be with. It takes two to resolve conflict together. So moving on, the Bible talks about leaving and cleaving. Leaving and cleaving. This means that you as a single person, you're you're no longer going in the direction of your parents any longer. Uh, Cleaving means that you start moving in the same direction as your spouse. In the Gospel uh, of Luke, Jesus says we must count the cost of our decisions. In the, in the book of Amos in the Old Testament, it said, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. And so by moving from courtship and to engagement, you are agreeing to head in the same direction in your lives together. Amen? That's what it means about leaving and cleaving. And so whilst you're, in, you're courting, it's important to, to uh, discuss what that means for your lives together. What kind of things should maybe you should be talking about together? Or maybe things to do with your dreams. What are your dreams in life? What are your callings? What are some of the giftings in your life that you want to see start to flow? What are the talents that God has given you? Uh, Where do you want to be based? Or uh, where where do you want to live? Where do you want to be based? What kind of church do you want to be part of? How many kids do you want? Oh, that's a hot topic. How many kids would you like to have? And so by heading into engagement... You, you are choosing to move together in the same direction. This reminds me uh, when uh, a little while back, I was helping a couple who, who had actually been married for about three years. And, um, and for whatever reason, before they got married, they, they actually hadn't agreed about where they wanted to live together. And, uh, and so after three years, one of, um, one of them was still living in the country and the other was actually living in the city. Uh, Why? Simply because they couldn't agree about where they wanted to live. They didn't actually agree about this before they got married. So neither of them was actually willing to budge and actually consider the other before themselves. And so what does this highlight? It highlights that unity and agreement in any relationship is so important. And so courtship, it's that period of time that that's the time that you can actually see and discover if you've got that unity and that agreement. That mind that that thinks together, that is agreed together. Maybe areas of lifestyle, uh, beliefs, children, church involvement, all these different things. Or even money. And so, also, are are you ready as a single person to, to give much of your independence over when you consider about actually moving in the same direction as your future wife? Are you ready for this shared life together? And so what are, 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 like, especially when it comes to decisions, what do you like when it comes to decisions being made together? When we consider the term cleaving, you are setting out on making your decisions together, even when it comes to other influences around you, maybe close friends or even parents. Sometimes they can be influential figures in your lives, but ultimately you're coming together to agree together. Another area to consider in, in preparation for engagement is expectations. Everyone say expectations. Expectations are a big deal when it comes to relationships. Both of you will have expectations of what a lifelong relationship looks like. Have you considered maybe cultural differences that you might have together? In other words, you may not actually realize that the, that, that the expectations that you have for a relationship have been largely uh, actually influenced by your experiences, by your family background, by the things that you were taught, by the things that your family valued, different things that they did, different things that they modeled. When a, when a couple entering into an engagement, uh, there can be all kinds of presumptions and expectations about what a relationship would look like. So family background. For example, has the father or the the mother been the dominant personality in your family? Or or perhaps have you come from a single parent family? Uh, There might be cultural differences. Uh, An area that we haven't spoken of is some of you might have complicated situations in the past of past relationships. And what's important is that those issues are dealt with before you move into another relationship. This is where God's wisdom actually really comes through. God's wisdom is that he doesn't want us to carry hurts and offenses from previous relationships into another relationship. You might have heard of the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. So when you're carrying hurt and offenses towards someone else, if they are not dealt with, you might carry those into another relationship. What happens is you see the spiral effect. You see hurts actually starting to actually crop up in that relationship as well. God wants us to be emotionally whole, amen? wants us to be cleaned up and ready, emotionally whole in in our lives. And so, with all of these things said, finally, the question we have to ask ourselves, is this really somebody who I want to marry? There's the big question. Is this someone I want to marry? Now, The Bible is clear that the decision to marry someone is a choice that we make ourselves. And so, of course... That means asking ourselves, do I want to marry that person? But also, does that person want to marry me? Maybe you've not considered that before. It's an important question for us to ask, but maybe we might not be sure if they really want to marry us. And so, why is this important? Because sometimes there are too many couples, perhaps, who may over-spiritualize the decision of who they're going to marry. You see, God ultimately is, of course, someone who leads us through with his wisdom. He gives us wisdom, but ultimately to help us make wise choices. Perhaps some people might uh, be looking for some kind of incredible supernatural experience, or maybe a cloud in, you know, in the sky or something to happen at night for you to get some kind of clear direction. But God actually often works through his wisdom. He gives us wisdom to make wise choices. So getting married, getting engaged, of course, is your choice. At the end of the day, you are the one who says the I do's. And 1 Corinthians um, is a really helpful portion of Scripture. It really makes, kind of highlights this, makes it clear that, that this is how people get married. It says, that it says things like the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but who has under control over his own will and who has made up his mind. It also talks about a woman as well. And so the Bible is so clear on this. We are the ones that make the decision. Of course, God, of course, when we make that decision, is able to bring his blessing upon our engagement and, of course, upon us as a couple. But why else is this question important to ask? Why do I want to, do I want to marry this person? Because you are saying yes to a person. You are saying yes to a person who has strengths and weaknesses. You are saying yes to a person who is not perfect. And, of course, they're saying yes to a person who's not perfect like yourself as well. No one is perfect. And so you're not saying yes to necessarily what you hope they're going to be like. You're saying yes to someone. You're accepting them accepting them for who they are. And that's really important. Sometimes people might have the agenda where they're entering into an engagement or marriage and they're saying, Man, you wait. I can't wait to change that person when I get married to them. But that's not necessarily the most healthy approach to have towards engagement and marriage. And so, in conclusion, these are all areas that we need to examine carefully in our lives together when considering these questions towards engagement. Hopefully, these questions will help us actually you know, strengthen our resolve and our conviction that the, the people that we are with, is the, it's the right person to be with. But it might also mean, when we look at all these different things, that These different cases that during courtship, you realize when considering this question is that your relationship should go no further than friendship. That you might not actually have enough to build on. You might not have enough in common. You're too different, perhaps. And so the the wise thing to do is if you don't have any intention of getting married, you have no intention, of course, getting engaged, and uh, and you just see yourself as friends, then the wise thing to do would be, of course, to call that courtship off. And to remain friends. And this, of course, would be something that you do uh, wisely and delicately and sensitively. But you owe it to yourselves to be honest. You owe it to yourselves to be upfront and to not entertain a relationship if you don't see any future in it. And so these are important wisdom things that God would give us. Otherwise, sometimes you can actually create a hope and a confidence in the other that doesn't actually exist. So we must be honest with each other. Sometimes it might take courage to to say no to to a relationship, to end a relationship. And the important thing is to not let pressure from others, of course, to determine whether that happens or not. Or don't be led by fear necessarily of being alone. On the flip side to that, leaping into an engagement or a marriage takes courage. It might take courage. Um, You might be afraid of the unknown. Maybe you've been actually damaged by past relationships. Maybe you've actually been damaged by broken relationships that have taken place in your family. And somehow they've affected you in a negative way. And what happens is you got this fear. You're holding on to fear. And what happens is that fear stops you from moving forward and pursuing any relationship. God doesn't want us to operate with fear, Amen doesn't want us to be dominated by fear. The Bible talks about us being full of peace. I love the scripture, Colossians 3, verse 15. The Bible says, to be led by peace in making decisions. Don't let your emotions make your decisions, but let the peace of God help you in making your decisions. A good statement I came across once is is this. Wisdom says wait, emotions say hurry. Wisdom says wait. Emotions say hurry. So God wants to impart peace into your heart when it comes to the whole area of relationships. And so after looking at all these different things, all these different questions to measure whether something is, is right or not for you, these are, the thing that whether, these are the things that should help you measure whether you should be one who actually moves towards engagement and towards marriage. Maybe after some of these questions, maybe your conviction has grown stronger. Or maybe in some of you, there are some questions. You're actually wondering maybe whether you're actually heading in the right direction. And my prayer for you, and of course us here, would be that you would get the peace of God. Amen? In every relationship that you have, or that one relationship that you have. (laughs) God wants to impart peace into your heart. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the all-knowing God, you're the all-wise, all-knowing one who has searched us, who knows us, you know us intimately, you formed us in our mother's womb, you know everything there is to know about us. And Father, we thank you that you're the God who imparts wisdom and revelation, you give guidance and Lord, we welcome the power of the Holy Spirit, we welcome your wisdom We welcome your guidance. We welcome your direction. We welcome your revelation. So that, Lord, you would lead us into a life of fulfillment, a life of happiness, and a life that's full of life that comes from you. Lord, I pray for every person here, whether in a relationship or not. Lord, I pray that the seeds that have been sown here, Lord, would somehow help them as they're going through different emotions and going through different things in their life, I pray, Lord, that the peace of God would just come upon them, upon their minds. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Praise God, praise God, yeah.